one for three. One for three or yeah, one and that's two? That's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 726 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, June the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Lots of great stuff for you to check out, as you saw on our feed, as well as every other feed on the Locked On Podcast Network on Thursday. Please check out the Locked On Black Lives Matter round table a bunch of the black hosts from across the network discussing their experiences with racism in america um, the the current movement in the response to the murder of george floyd and sort of next steps and where we go from here really great stuff about an hour and a half that is well worth your time so go back and listen to that on any of the lockdown feeds from Thursday. Uh, in addition, you can also check out my other podcast called uh, Basketball. Myself and Katie Heindel, we had a new episode go up yesterday. We also have a Patreon feed over there if you want to fire that up as well. And uh, it seems like we're getting close to sports a little bit, I guess, day by day here. We're about a month out, I think, from training camps for uh, the NBA and for the NHL. So uh, keep it locked to the Lockdown Podcast Network as we will cover all of that for you in uh, just extreme detail daily uh, as we get geared up for the return of sports i guess <laughs> i'm still dubious about it all but we'll get there i'm sure because capitalism is undefeated uh all right let's get to today's show we we're joined by a returning guest of the podcast he joined us last summer while he was in beijing calling uh or it just i believe kind of all around china actually calling the FIBA world cup that went down last summer obviously a disappointment for canada there and all of this is that that's gone on. The the fact that there is no uh, Olympics this summer and the qualifying tournament got canceled. It was supposed to be two weeks from now, and that's not taking place, obviously. The whole FIBA calendar has kind of been turned on its head a little bit here, and joining us to talk about that is a man who knows this stuff in depth as well as anybody. And again, you hear his voice on FIBA games from time to time as well. He also co-hosts the NBA Sound System podcast. It is Carlin Gay. What's going on, man? Sean, appreciates you having me on, and uh, it's uh, you're right. Everyone's calendar has kind of been flipped upside down, so uh, it's gonna be interesting to uh, to see what kind of pans out when we when we get going here again. For sure. Uh, before we get into the FIBA stuff, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on the NBA's return to play here. Um, you know, there's a lot going on, <laughs> not just the pandemic, but uh, the social movement that's going on across North America now, too. And we're seeing some uh, pushback, it sounds like, from some of the players that are potentially going to be in the Orlando bubble as the case number rises in Florida at a very uh, concerning rate as well. Uh, lots of stuff that's kind of working against the return to play here. I'm curious sort of your thoughts on the plans they have released as of right now and uh, whether or not you think this is a good bad terrible medium idea for the NBA to come back and force this thing uh you know from the start of it I was always pretty optimistic that they were going to figure out a way to get this thing finished the meaning of the NBA season and um you know seeing the, the reports come out a couple of weeks ago that you know they were coming closer and they had a plan in place to have the 22 teams and then we now have some sort of structure in place for for the season to be finished and, and a champion should be crowned, uh, I'm I'm optimistic about it and I'm happy that you know we're, we're able to get back to sport. And selfishly, I think it, it you know affects a lot of people that you know are close to me, including myself, in terms mm -hmm. of you know 
furloughs and everybody that's that's losing jobs in the industry you know more sports sports being played means that you know more jobs are a little bit safer than they were yesterday so uh you know for all my friends and and everyone that works in this industry i i really feel happy for them uh you know to see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel um the one thing that you know this you know the the pandemic has kind of taught me is that nothing is guaranteed in life Um, Mm -hmm. and i still I'm hold, while I'm holding out hope that July 31st we throw the ball in the air and everything goes smoothly. Uh, I I also kind of am a little bit more reserved to, to you know anything really happening and, and a potential shutdown of the season and maybe even this time a cancellation of the season happening. Um, you know it, it's going to be 22 teams in one area and granted that while we're a world of sports complex I've been to it's massive. I've seen AAU tournaments there. Uh, last year I was there for for the NBA championship. There are a ton of basketball courts there. I think it's a perfect place to host this sort of quote-unquote bubble. Uh, there's enough hotels there for everybody to accommodate and everything else. The, the one thing is is that you can't really control the virus. You're only kind of making educated guesses and, and keeping your fingers crossed. Uh, and, you know, experts are, are continuously saying that this isn't going to go away and the vaccine's not showing up for potentially a year away from now. So you know, I hope that we go ahead, fingers crossed, no one wider um, than, than what it's already done. But as you've seen over the last couple of weeks, especially with, uh, you know, protests in a lot of the states around the country, I live in the United States now, um, you know, we've seen spikes for, for the coronavirus. I'm, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we've had, we've seen spikes in, in my county now mm-hmm. uh, over the last two weeks where, you know, the, the, the curve was really flattened uh, by the social distancing. So, it, you know, fingers crossed again that we, we throw the ball up on July 31st and we crown a champion at the end of it. And then we can figure out the rest of the world, the rest of the season and the rest of the basketball world after that. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, obviously more news coming down every single day. Actually, as we talk right now, I'm getting a push notification from Woj saying that it looks as though the uh, the, the, the plans is for July the 9th to... Uh, to start up training camp and apparently players have to if they're outside the u.s have to travel to florida by june 15th which is or to their team markets by june 15th and arrive in orlando by june 22nd it's all happening very fast here and we'll obviously cover that in depth but carlin the reason uh, that you're on this show today is to talk about fiba basketball and the schedule and obviously there are raptors ties in tie-ins with this as well with nick nurse coaching the national team and uh, we're going to get to all of that in just a second here on the podcast but first i want to tell people about uh, built bar which is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try it's protein bar that tastes like a candy bar 16 amazing flavors you've got chocolate and nut free flavors as well as chocolate and nut flavors so if you're allergy if you have allergies to nuts things like that you can still eat these bad boys and it's no problem bars are covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious person lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber some of my favorite flavors include toffee almond which can't get enough if it's so so good all the banana ones are really good as well there's a peanut or sorry a banana nut bread there's a banana chocolate cream both just kick ass so please go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order of built bars use the promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com 
Also, today's show is brought to you by Blinkist, which is one of the ultimate life hacks, and it's great for working on personal development. It's a way for you to read books without actually reading and spending all of the time to read books. Blinkist is unique, and it works in your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know info from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books, but Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that info right away and with its audio feature Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute or on your lunch break or while you exercise 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help business and health to history books Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers list as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to right now there's a lot of reading lists out there if you want to educate yourself on the systemic oppression of black people and minorities in the United States please Check out Blinkist for some of the titles that can help you get caught up on the stuff you might have missed. Uh, for example, there's the new, Jim Crow, the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. There's Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad. Excellent choices to start your education process there. There's also, if you want to have more of a relaxing, sort of laid-back read, there's lots of sports books as well. Tiger Woods by Jeff Benedict. The Sports Gene by David Epstein. No shortage of stuff for you to check out. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer. Just for our audience, go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you're also going to save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. All right, Carlin, so the FIBA calendar. I'm just really curious about how the moving of the Olympics to 2021, in conjunction with the NBA schedule getting warped and, and sort of changed on the fly here, as it sounds like the finals are going to go into October and then potentially starting up the next season in December. And then there's talk right now of still playing a full 82 games next season. How does that look? How far does that season go into July and into the FIBA you know, qualifying window and things like that? Um, I'm just curious, you know, you kind of have your, your finger on the pulse of FIBA right now. Is there a lot of scrambling going on behind the scenes to try to get these tournaments that have to go off before the Olympics next summer, assuming they happen planned out and played with, you know, NBA caliber players, assuming, you know, those guys are even going to be available right now. On on the FIBA side, I don't think there's any scrambling or uh, you know trying to change the the tournaments that are already put in place. I think the scrambling already happened. We've we've already seen that part of it, uh, and and they've decided to to kind of switch on the fly, uh, you know, for the Olympic qualifying tournaments, and that was based off the fact that the Olympics weren't happening. I think if people got to remember one thing about FIBA is they don't control uh, what happens at the Olympic Games. They control everything up until then, but then they hand it off to the IOC, and the IOC really runs what's happening with, uh, you know, basketball, per se, at the at the Olympics, and that's only just one sport that the IOC has to really, con- you know, take care of, and, and, and not only that, but there's two sides to the basketball coin. There's the men's side and also the women's side, and the, the women wouldn't have been affected uh, or aren't going to be affected by where the calendar lands regardless because their WNBA season stops down just like it does for, say, the NHL. It stopped when, when the NHL was a part of the Olympics in, 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 uh, back in the day. 
they stop down, you play your two weeks of the Olympic Games, and then you continue your season on. Obviously, the NBA never had to deal with anything like that because we've never seen the NBA run into uh, late July, early August, which is going to be the case uh, potentially this year, uh, You know, depending on when the league starts. I, I think the, the main thing that FIBA is kind of uh, crossing their fingers for now, now that the dates are set in place, is that that season starts, the second season, of course, I'm talking about the 2021 uh, season, starts uh, as early as possible. And, you know, the December 1st sort of date that we have out there, I'm, I'm assuming that that's what most executives want. But we've seen reports that the players don't want that. The players want that rest, at least, you know, give them the extra two weeks. And, and an extra two weeks might be, uh, you know, two weeks further into the calendar, which will really affect not only the Olympic qualifying tournaments, but the Olympic Games. And right now, um, you know, from what everything I've been told and I've asked a million, million times because I was actually getting set to travel to Canada um, for, for the Olympic qualifiers. Canada is going to be hosting one of the four uh, tournaments. And, uh, you know, what I'm told is that, you know, as of right now, that's going to be the date. Uh, and I should be expected to be on a plane and, and, and getting ready to, to call these games uh, when they do happen. And that's going to run in the middle of an NBA season, potentially the start of the playoffs or, or the finishing up of the regular season. Uh, those dates right now are, are you know, July, uh, sorry, they, they end July 4th, but they start June 29th. Um, and if the NBA calendar runs a full 82 games, then that will be happening uh, right in the mix of, uh, of these Olympic qualifiers. Yeah, there are a couple ways that, uh, you know, the NBA season for 2020-2021 is going to affect this, right? I mean, you know, as you said, if they're going to try to play 82 games, in theory, they would draw it out and probably play into July or August, you would think, just to kind of, you know, yes, the it still kind of keeps the schedule off kilter a little bit, but you'd think... Over the course of a year or two, they could eventually, you know, shave a couple weeks off of training camp or whatever it is and eventually kind of get back to the normal calendar you would typically see. But it also sounds like they might try to do that just this year, which sounds really untenable to me. And, you know, with that December 1st start date in mind, there's been talk of, oh, they're just going to try to play all 82 games in a very compressed, condensed schedule and get everybody out by mid-June. So the way you normally would. So everyone gets back to their regular schedule of things. And by 2021-22, the calendar is reset to completely normal the way we would typically see an NBA season. And so with that, the concern there for me is that's going to be a super compressed schedule. You're going to be playing 82 games in a month, month and a half less time than you typically would. And I wonder how that affects participation more than anything else, right? I mean, the whole excitement for this year's tournament, especially from a Canada perspective and the FIBA qualifier, is that, man, they got the NBA guys. Nick Nurse is coaching. You've got the NBA guys who have all bought in. They've all made their commitments online. Everyone seems like they're they're moving in one direction here. You're going to have Shea. You're going to have Jamal Murray. You're going to have the whole crew. I wonder if the season ends up extremely compressed and you have a bunch of, you know, four games and five nights on the schedule just in the interest of playing a full 82 before the end of mid-June and and getting your full playoffs in. Does that maybe lead to guys saying, you know what, I'm burnt out. I can't do this. I Sorry, Canada, but we can't do that. And how does that affect Canada going forward in what is supposed to be a very big Olympic cycle for them? 
yeah, this is, this is supposed to be the, the, the culmination of the golden era, right? This is supposed to be when Canada steps onto the podium for the first time. Uh, and, and I honestly don't see that happening. It, it, I mean, you go back to the World Cup, and, and, and that was a summer ago when there was so much promise leading up to it. And then guy after guy, player after player, uh, you know, were, were dropping out, it, sem- it seemed like. And, and, it, and it felt like no NBA guys wanted to play for Canada. And, and, or for one reason or another, there was an excuse being made. Uh, and, and, and really, uh, in, in many people's minds, many fans' minds, they didn't really truly understand well, now you have a situation where, as you said, there's going to be a, a, a tangible excuse now. You can't expect uh, someone to play 82 games in a condensed fashion at the highest of levels and then turn around and come and play for Canada just two weeks later and give it their all. Um, even though they may want to be there, maybe their bodies might not be ready to do that. Uh, you know, some of those guys are going to be in the playoffs. You know, a, a lot of them, you hope, are going to be in the playoffs, and that might just eliminate them from, from showing up anyway. I think when you when you look at Canada, uh, you know, in this situation, I think most Canadians have to understand that we have a, a deep, deep talent pool uh, for our country. Um, you know, obviously we have the second most NBA players outside of the United States that are playing in the NBA, but there's a ton of guys around the world that are playing high-level basketball, and some of the guys actually represented Canada at the last World Cup, where you know it wasn't the most talented team we could have we could have fielded, but they still played well enough, and that experience should help them qualify for the Olympics in this uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. You know, Canada is just one country. There's five other countries that are in that tournament that are going to have to deal with the same thing. China, mm-hmm. Czech Republic, Greece, Turkey, and Uruguay. When you look at Turkey, uh, you know, Chetty Osman is a, is, is a big part of that team. Furkan Korkmaz, he's a huge part of that team as well. May not be big NBA stars, but those are two NBA caliber players that they're not going to have. Greece, we obviously know that the reigning MVP <laughs> may not be available, especially if he has a season that he has last year. He's not going to be there. His team's going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's going to be ready to compete for an NBA championship. And forget about uh, you know next year. How about this year? You know the Bucks are expected to make a deep run into the playoffs, potentially going all the way till October 12th, which would be Game Seven of the NBA Finals this year. Mm-hmm. You can't expect them to sit out. Uh, you know, a month and a half, go through a full 82-game season, and even if the Bucks don't make the playoffs, then turn around to play for Greece and, and do it at a high level. China's in a similar situation. They don't have many NBA guys, but their league is their league calendar. You know, domestically calendar is going to be flipped on its head as well, and they're going to be going through the same sort of uh, you know kind of calendar change where guys are going to have to double up uh, and play pretty much 12 months of basketball if they plan on uh, you know participating at the Olympic Games and in the Czech Republic uh, you know they they had a great showing uh, at the FIBA World Cup and a lot of that had to do with Thomas Sadaransky who you know had an incredible FIBA tournament and in my opinion should have been one of the all-stars and when it was all said and done mm-hmm. I'm a little biased I called I think five of their games in the entire tournament uh, but he really was the reason why that team was even uh, competitive in, in a lot of those games. And if he's not there, then they really and truly have no shot at even qualifying for the Olympic Games. So Canada's still in a great position without their NBA guys. They're going to be playing at home. They have guys that have now had that, that FIBA experience. I think where Canada loses a lot is not the NBA guys, but you're going to lose Nick Nurse uh, at the at the helm. Right. And you know we, we do have great coaches in Canada, and a lot of them could step up and, and probably fill that role. 
but also a lot of the ones that you would step up and want to see fill that role are, are in the NBA as assistant coaches <laughs> or or on a coaching staff themselves. So uh, that is where I think we would hurt the most is that is that the, the losing Nick Nurse who who's going to be you know a part of the Raptors regular season and is not going to have the time to really put his you know energy and and focus on getting Canada to the Olympics before we you know before we even get there. Totally. Yeah. As much as I know Nick Nurse is a basketball robot who would gladly coach 365 days a year, I, I, I would be hoping for him to be taking a nap after a compressed season <laughs> and hopefully a deep playoff run next year. Uh, we're going to continue talking about this, and I want to get into the depth of Canada and how that might help uh, in whatever tournament ends up taking place. You know, Assuming the Olympics even happen and all that stuff, too, well, like that's another sort of thing that's up in the air as of right now. We'll get to that in uh, just a second, but first I want to tell people about rockauto.com which for a car dummy like me is the perfect website to find auto parts if you need something for your car without having to go to the dealership or the auto parts store where they might charge you twice as much even though they often use rockauto.com's catalog rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil even new carpets for your car whether it's your classic that you're tuning up and, and revamping or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, even for a car idiot like me. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. I've said this story already before on this podcast, but I, I, I stand by it. I found a gas cap for my 2009 Nissan Versa in like a minute flat for $4 on, on rockauto.com. It's super easy. And I just, again, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know the first thing, but rockauto.com is not intimidating. They just help you get through it. It's lovely. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same for the professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. So, Carlin, we were talking about sort of the, the Canadian, you know, the depth of Canadian talent, and you know, I think in light of some stuff this week in particular, some added names to the Canadian Elite Basketball League's roster of talent for the 2020 season that may or may not actually take place. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to talk to you about that league and how it might sort of not just for this year or, you know, during this strange sort of uncertain FIBA period as we're not really sure what tournaments are going to take place and who's going to be involved with them, but over the course of the next few years as well. Um, if people don't know, the uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League, their Ottawa team, the Ottawa Blackjacks, who, which is run by Dave Smart, who you definitely know, he's been involved in Team Canada stuff before. Uh, this week, they signed uh, Keza Kajami Keen, a former Raptors 905 player, as well as Johnny Brahana Meskel, a former uh, Ottawa U star, as well as the Scrub Brothers, who I believe Philip uh, spent some time in summer league with the Raptors a couple years back and obviously they're staples of Team Canada they were on that World Cup team that you mentioned uh, last summer that you were that you were calling the the, the not so NBA filled team that still had quite a bit of talent <laughs> on it um, I'm curious you know the CBL has a bunch of other guys who are playing this year as well Justin Jackson is one of them uh, former Denver Nuggets pick who's going to be playing for the Hamilton Honey Badgers uh, a whole bunch of other guys who are playing for FIBA America's teams and qualifying tournaments for the last few years here in this last cycle i'm curious carlin as someone who's sort of looking at the cbl from the outside how do you view that league as sort of a vehicle 
to improving the depth of talent so that, you know, either in a situation like this where maybe NBA players aren't available you know, to play in the qualifying tournament this coming June or next June, whatever, I don't even know what time or day or year it is right now, but <laughs> June 2021, um, you know, or just even in the future as you, you know, some tournaments take place during the NBA season and whatnot. How do you view that league as a way that can kind of help, you know, add to the depth of the talent and just sort of refine that talent a little bit more to ensure Canada's always sending really solid teams? Well, well, first and foremost, I, I think it's a, you know, a great league and, and, um, you know, a little, I'm a little sad, uh, selfishly, to, that that we're not able to get season number two underway. I really do hope they figure out a uh, you know a bubble situation so that you know a lot of these players can at least play uh, you know season number two and we can crown a champion and try to build that history that the league is eventually going to have down the line. Um, when you when you talk about the league and and their their play their their kind of place in, in kind of growing the game and 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 really ultimately developing these talent or allowing these talents to, to develop. Uh, you know, further on is it, it's huge. Um, when you have a league at home in Canada, uh, you know that is going to be able to have top end talent, and we've and we've seen you know that happen. You mentioned four names right there that I think if you're a Canadian basketball fan, you know of. Uh, these are guys that you know would represented the Maple Leaf at some point in their career. Uh, maybe not all at the senior le- level, but they would have represented that you know the, the, the Maple Leaf at some point in their career uh, or locally, especially in Ottawa. Those are four names that you would know very well. Uh, the Scrub Brothers, ultimate winners. You know, have Johnny Burham who 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 went up against the Scrub Brothers pretty much his entire, uh, you know, collegiate career. Uh, and, and had they not been around, maybe he has a couple more championships to his name. And now they get to team up and chase championships together. It's wonderful for, for the nation's capital basketball-wise. Uh, but when you have that type of talent coming back home and playing in that league, it, it really does sort of create this this atmosphere for, for guys to want to, I guess, play for the national team and, and, and create some sort of national pride. And I think a lot of the questions that I saw last year when, you know, some of the NBA players were turning down the opportunity to play for Canada, uh, you know, people were questioning whether or not the national team was doing enough to sort of, uh, you know, build a foundation for, for guys who want to feel the need to play for the national team. I, I'm always going to be on the side that, you know, it's your country. You should want to wear that across your chest. It's one of the greatest honors. Only 12 guys get to do it at, uh, you know, at any said tournament. Um, you know, so I, I'm always going to be on that side of Canada basketball is, is you know, the, the peak of, uh, you know, I guess the game in our country. But not everyone feels that way. Uh, but when you have a, a league like the CBL that plays at home, it not only allows you know the Canada basketball folks to come out and watch games live and and, and continue to build those relationships that they're going to need, uh, but it allows you know fans to to kind of connect with players that aren't on the NBA level or are playing high level in Europe and, and maybe their games are late at night that you can't watch them or they're on a, a crappy web stream where you're not going to be able to really tell who's who. It gives you an opportunity to see how good our talent is locally, and that helps with uh, you know marketing. That helps with a whole bunch of different things. So we don't have to rely just on the guys that make it to the NBA. And and ultimately, the, the new FIBA sort of calendar. When things are right, there's there's going to be opportunities for guys to play. Uh, you know, for Canada, just you know throughout the year mm-hmm. when FIBA sort of made this shift. Uh, to the new style of calendar. The reason they did that was to allow 
uh, you know, players to play home games. It was always in the past, if you played internationally, if you weren't hosting the tournament, you, you probably go your entire international career and never play a meaningful game at home. Well, well now with the new FIBA calendar, they have uh, this, play, you know, this plan in place where meaningful games are played at home. We've seen that now with the qualifying for the America Cup. We've seen that now with the qualifying for the World Cup. And that's going to continue. Yes, it, it, it sort of creates uh, more workload for some of our NBA guys who probably aren't going to show up to every single event. Some of them they can't. Uh, some of them they can in the, in the, in the summer. Uh, but it also gives more opportunity to and, – and, and, and puts more emphasis on having a depth of a talent pool, which you know Canada is, is going to be right in line with and, and going to be able to qualify for these AmeriCups and these World Cups and eventually the Olympics – a lot easier than some of the other countries in the world. So, um, you know, having a, a, a league like the CEBL is is so paramount in that because you, you you're, you're developing the talent that's eventually going to set you up to stand on a podium someday at a major tournament. And and it, you know, without that league, uh, I don't know that a uh, you know guys will be able to to play at a high level all year round. B maybe the relationships aren't going to be there, uh, and, and you know you have that sort of camaraderie right away before you even get to training camp uh, for the national team. And then C, it allows Canada basketball on, at home to kind of build those relationships uh, with the players and also the coaches who, who they may lead down the line to, to try and coach this team. Yeah, the coaching thing is, uh, is a point I was just about to jump in there with. You know, right now of the seven teams, I believe six of them have Canadian coaches. Uh, and then there's Ryan Schmidt, who was on this podcast a couple weeks back, who is a former or is current Raptors 905 assistant who's going to be coaching. Uh, he's Canadian enough, right? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's Canadian adjacent at the very <laughs> least. Um, and so, but I mean, you have like Charles Kissy, you have Victor Razzo, you have Oz Genty, you have these guys who, you know, I think we've seen from, you know, the, the recent experience of guys like Nick Nurse and some other coaches. Taylor Jenkins, I think, is one that comes to mind in Memphis. Having head coach experience is incredibly valuable, not just if you're running an NBA team, but also if you know, you need to step up and be a head coach for a national team in a pinch, right? You know, if if it comes to the point where Nick Nurse is burnt out and doesn't want to uh, participate in, in a tournament this summer, you could have someone like Charles Kissy, who has now head coaching experience within the, the CBL as, as Guelph's head coach, you know, in addition to all of his head coaching experience in, you know, in U Sports, and then his assistant work with the 905 and whatnot. I mean, that's just someone who's just a much more refined and sort of game-ready coach to throw in there. So it goes well beyond the players as well. Yes, I'm biased. Heads up, everybody. You all know this. I work for the CBL. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. They pay me money, and I, I, I that makes me like them also. But no, I think it's uh, it, the league is doing a really great job of uh, setting itself up. And I think the partnership with Canada Basketball that they established very early on before even one ball was thrown up at a tip that that I think kind of just makes it so much easier right and I think also kind of gives more incentive to keep the league afloat and going even through the pandemic where yeah we might not see a season this year but things seem to be stable enough financially and you know with the relationships they have with different entities that it seems like it should be able to withstand even if you know it's it's a rare situation where a league might be okay surviving you know just its second season without it even happening um yeah. so 
it's yeah, all kind of the basketball partnership is, is 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 a huge one that I think people kind of maybe overlook that are outside of you know the hardcore basketball circle like you and I are. When, when you talk about you know being a a, a FIBA certified league. Uh, you know, that sort of sets you up to have when, when guys do come home and play uh, in your league, now they already know the FIBA style of play. One of the biggest learning curves for NBA guys or even just pros around the world when they do go to, you know, the Olympics or, or the tournaments is kind of learning that FIBA style of play. They're mm-hmm. learning the FIBA rules, the FIBA whistle, the ball. It, it's, it's, a, it's a different game. Yes, it's basketball and talent will, you know, overrule anything. That's why the United States, you know, wins most tournaments that they're in. But there's still, uh, you know, uh, an advantage to have uh, when, you, when, you've, when you're accustomed to playing that sort of style. So, one, that's a huge thing that I think Canadians shouldn't overlook uh, and players should appreciate having the ability to do that. And two, the minute that happened, the rest of the world paid, you know, paid notice because, you know, I, I've lived in Australia for five years and, and I would compare Australia's sort of basketball growth the same as Canada's. Uh, but they're a little bit more advanced in terms of their infrastructure. They understand they had a league. They've had the NBL over there in Australia for 30 plus years. Um, you know, th- there was a time where. If you were a kid in Australia, you grew up wanting to play in the NBL. You mm-hmm. didn't even think about the NBA. You grew up wanting to wear uh, the Australian Boomer jersey, their national team jersey. You didn't even think about the NBA. So it was ingrained in them to, to play at home first, then NBA-wise. That's changed, obviously, now. You know, you see Andrew Bogut, Ben Simmons, the list goes on and on. Uh, but there's still a, a, another level of player that's developing there at home in their country uh, and, and getting ready to step up. And that's the reason why, you know, they're favorites to step on the podium every time, uh, you know, they're in a major tournament. They missed the opportunity at the Olympics in Brazil, just fell short in, in, in China, and they were getting set to, to you know, be medal or bust, so to speak, in, in Tokyo. So, um, you know, it, it took them years to kind of build that infrastructure and put that plan in place. And they have the coaching now. They have the trainers. Everything that you see off the basketball court, all those guys are learning on the fly in that league. And I think that's what's going to happen with uh, with the CBL, uh, you know, getting that education. It's, it's things that we don't see. The coaching clinics, the, the trainers that are that are helping out, learning, you know, how, how to do that in a real environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the referees, you know, calling games – you have to learn how to adjust to that. So, um, you know, it's it's a whole bunch of little things, just having the league and that attachment with FIBA that, that really changes things. And, and then the third thing, the last thing is, you can set yourself up now to maybe have your champion of your league maybe play a champion somewhere else that's FIBA-affiliated. Yeah. It creates this sort of, like, Champions League uh, scenario. And that's something I've already emailed the CBL about and asked them, why, why aren't we doing that right now? Um, <laughs> but it's something that, you know, I, I'm sure they've already thought of, something that they're thinking about, something that should happen. And, and once you do that, now you're playing different styles of basketball and we don't got to wait every four years to play the rest of the world. We're doing that on a yearly basis and it, it can only be better for our country. Absolutely, man. Uh, all well-taken points for sure. Carlin, this was uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me to talk uh, You know about the very, very uncertain uh, next little while here for FIBA basketball and Team Canada, but uh, I, I'm also, it's an exciting time as much as it is uncertain because you know there, there's an infrastructure here that hasn't always existed, which is great. Um, Carlin, do you have anything you would like to promote before we uh, get out of here? Yeah, first things first, if you're a Canadian, don't panic. We're going to be okay basketball-wise. <laughs> we, we got a lot of talent. Don't worry. It, you know, without NBA players, we'll be fine. Uh, it, you know, NBA.com is, uh, you know, my, my main home. 
you know, that's uh, we have we have a ton of talented writers. I can't say enough about the group I work with. Uh, they do a great job of not just covering the Raptors, but the league as a whole. Uh, so head on over there and read their stuff. Mike Adams, Scott Rafferty, the list goes on and on. Uh, they do a great job over there. And then uh, NBA Sound System every Tuesday live at 3 p.m. on the website. You can listen to that. Uh, and, 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 you know, catch me on a FIBA game when we get back, uh, up and running here soon. So, I uh, appreciate you having me on Sean and, uh, and, and, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll be able to talk about an actual calendar in place the next time we do this. That would be lovely. Uh, thanks again, man. You can find me at Woodley Sean on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe to rate review this podcast as well as my other podcast, uh, basketball with Katie Heindel. It's a lot of fun. And we also have a Patreon page over there, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. And if we get to 30 patrons, we're going to do mailbag episodes. So if you like the work Katie and I do on this podcast, you're probably probably going to like that one as well go give it a little bit of a listen uh that is going to do it for today's show on saturday i'll be dropping a special podcast usually don't do weekends but it's the one year anniversary of the raptors winning the nba title so i'll be dropping the second part of my audiobook reading of we the champs by myself and alex wong yes it's a bit of a narcissistic exercise reading the book i wrote but whatever it's fun and it's nice to go back and look back at the raptors winning the title so we'll drop games four through six of that book and uh with all the audio elements and stuff that you love as well and hope everyone has a wonderful time celebrating the one-year anniversary of the title it's weird we don't get to do a parade uh like a one-year anniversary parade or anything like that but that's fine (laughs) uh we can just go watch the highlights of the parade and the championship and all that stuff so thank you so much look for that on saturday and we'll be back again next week with regular episodes as well thank you so much for tuning in we will talk to you again with another episode of locked on raptors on saturday (laughs) 